Hey, before we get started, I'm excited to announce we have a sponsor for this episode. Uh, I've got some ad copy here. Do you have competing explanations for the same outcome? Are you having trouble deducing which theory to believe? Try Occam's Razor, free with promo code REMEDIAL at humansmakemovies.net slash offers slash contrived slash farce.html. And be sure to refer a friend for a free subscription to Snopes.com. All right, on with the show. Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George, would you mind taking care of some property for me this winter? That depends. (laughs) On the backstory? (laughs) (laughs) Are there bad things there? Uh, I mean, recent history would tell you no, it's fine. I think when you get there, you're going to feel like you've been there before. It's so familiar. Oh, well then, yeah, sure. Awesome. I can do my my writing, my songwriting. <laughs> yeah, all pedals and no playing makes George <laughs> a good gear person. Head. I guess, I don't know. <laughs> we watched the indelible classic, better than the book some would say, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Mm. Now, George, you've been wanting to watch this movie since before we started the podcast. Yeah. Why? What 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 was the trigger that made you want to see it? I've seen some other Kubrick movies. I saw Clockwork Orange, mm, Full Metal what, Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. What are some of his other ones? He's like a two thousand one. Ta- he's like a Tarantino for me. Like mm-hmm. I I like Tarantino. I also like Kubrick. Space Odyssey. No, I never saw that one. Mm. Did you ever see The Killing? Mm, no, probably not. It's a hell of a movie, and we'll make you watch it someday when we get to okay. like season fifteen. It'll be great. Mm. But yeah, I like um I like him as a director. Like I saw a You wouldn't films. like him as an actor. If you were an actor, you wouldn't like him as a director. <laughs> He's very hard. I've yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. Um But look at the performances he gets out of you. It's fucking crazy. Damn right. And then, you know, I just there's a lot of um there's a lot of pop culture in this movie. A lot of these yes. scenes have been sketched and memified and oh, and yeah. all that. And um, and I've always just heard from everyone what a effed up movie this is. But what? like, it was never spoiled for me. It's right. just everyone like is like, oh, you've never seen that. You gotta see that. Well, that's what I was so gonna say about the memes and everything. Like, even the imagery still doesn't tell you the story. Like, you, it's that kind of movie where you could see stills, you could see the poster, you see Jack on the poster. He looks crazy. He's got his head in the door. You know, there's been memes constantly of him breaking the door open with a giant axe, but it still doesn't tell the story. Like, it's still worth sitting down, even if you saw all those uh, com- images or posters or lobby cards. Definitely. Yeah. So did it live up to your expectations, George? Initial impression? Yeah. Because those are some lofty expectations, to be waiting so long and mm-hmm. to have heard about all the numerology and all these cool like youtube conspiracy videos that tell you all these cool things about the movie yeah i mean some of it actually exceeded 
my expectations and then some of it it fell short in some ways too. Ooh. So Ooh, but little controversy. We are getting an episode out of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let me talk about what I liked first. All right, so first of all, the camera work mm. yes. is like nothing. Uh, I've never seen camera work like this before. Can There's you imagine so this movie many... in IMAX if this was filmed in IMAX? Yeah, oh it would my be. God. Oh. You could tell Nolan was inspired by this type yeah. of filmmaking. There's so much. There's so much. I I guess it's steady cam. There's a lot of like shots that are like really long, you know, uncut mm-hmm. shots that are kind of following characters or the camera's moving backwards and the and the actor's always moving mm-hmm. towards the camera, but it keeps moving. There are some specific shots, like when Wendy reads the papers that he's been typing mm-hmm. and the whole scene after that where he's basically following like she's backing up the entire time across this huge room and up the stairs. And it's like, and he's just like sl- slowly reaching out at her. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just that that scene was. Oh Wendy, my god, it shot so I'm not well. Not gonna hurt you so well. <laughs> and then you know when he's in the when he's in the pantry and mm-hmm. he's uh, and he's got his you know his and fist, shot from his the fist floor. on the door. Yes, and it's shot from the floor. Yep. Uh, the use of mirrors. Oh my god. Was like yeah. De- Demi was definitely inspired for silence with the. The plexiglass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they were doing this with mirrors. Yeah, that, that look on Dan- Jack's face when Danny's in the hotel room. Yeah, in, in the foreground you see him with his head turned toward Danny, but in the mirror you see the facing. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. yeah. He's doing some face acting in this movie. It's ridiculous. Yeah, love it. Um, the use of color in mm-hmm. this movie, specifically just the color red was mm-hmm. everywhere. Yes. Like and wherever it was, it popped. Like Yeah. You know, it obviously It must not have been 3M blood. <laughs> no, no. And, you know what? That's exactly what I thought the right. first time Danny had the vision mm-hmm. of that like that hallway waterfall, yeah. You know, the filling up with blood. It's like it's flowing and I'm like that is good blood. That's good blood. That is what good <laughs> blood looks like. It's like the Kool-Aid man. He was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, holy mackerel. The lipstick. Mm. You know, the lipstick uh, that he uses to to write red rum on the door. Yes. Bright red. Speaking of that. The the bathroom. Bright red. Yes. But yeah, speaking of red rum. Speaking of red rum. No one, I, I just realized after 46 years of being on this planet, 35 of them knowing about this movie. No one ever talks about how freaking good that kid is in this movie. Oh, he's fantastic. Like, probably up there, I know Haley Joel Osment got, like, you know, all those accolades for, for Sixth Sense. This is right up there. Like, the shit he's doing. Oh, yeah. Oh. It was very Linda Blair, man. Just Yeah. Channeling something that is not of that age. Although I have yeah. to wonder, on the Red Room freakout, is some of that dubbed after... No, I, I I'm gonna say no, just from personal experience. When I was a kid, I could do that with my voice. Cause he goes all like yeah. he modulates the pitch quite a bit. I just wondered if that was a kid, or if yeah, that was some it, it kind sounds of like effect. it's it's kind of like with Linda Blair when she did the uh, the the voiceover. The old lady did the voiceover. It's an excellent day for an exorcism. Yeah, you, know, you can tell it's not Reagan or it's not Linda Blair. Right. But this kid when he's going red rum. Red Ram. 
if you can you can he, get your voice to do yeah, that. Yeah, he does that. He does that voice. Yeah, um, but there's a point at which he has his back to the camera, which always is a clue to me that something, you know, there there's a reason we can't see his face. Right? Right. right. And it goes to like a next level that he hadn't hit before. And I just thought, "Oh, crap, that's probably ADR." <sighs> put put a pin I'm going to do Dan. Put a pin in that <laughs> because there is something I want to talk about later about that camera angle. Yeah, so it might not be to hide anything. Let's put it that way. Oh. Hey, so George, had you ever heard the red rum thing before? Were you familiar with that at all? Uh, it's it was it, it was in like the back of my brain from like childhood. From at some when point. when he starts saying red rum, do you immediately go, "Oh, it's murder backwards," or do you go, "What yeah. is this red rum thing? I wonder what this is." Like, d- yeah, I were did. You I still- did know. Like the reveal in the mirror. All right, wasn't. no, no, no. So I, I did know that Red Rum was murder backwards through pop culture. I figured that his vision of the door that says Red Rum was him looking in a mirror at mm-hmm. a door. That's what I figured. Okay. And then when he started writing it on the door, I'm like, oh no, that's exa- That's actually what he sees. And I'm like, that's okay. Why are we doing murder backwards? But but okay, I'll I'll roll with that. I'll let it mm-hmm. slide. And then like, you know, five seconds later, no, I think you're both right on that. Five seconds later, the Wendy sees it in the mirror, and I'm right. like, that's why it's right wrong. Yes. Again, put a pen in that. <laughs> it's like oh, but did I didn't think, and I even thought watching the movie, wow, he's using mirrors a lot, mm-hmm. and I like the way he's using the mirrors. It's really effective yeah and it gets you and it, it basically it was all done through the whole movie for that shot right and i didn't see it coming and i should have from what i've read and learned i don't think there's one thing in this movie that's by mistake and or just coincidence like everything is for a reason put yeah. a pin in that story. i want to get to I'm that later a, <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so let's put a pin in that God, is this Hellraiser? Because I feel like just pins. <laughs> <laughs> you mean pins head? Oh, <laughs> <pin> man. Head. <laughs> so good. Do we want to talk any more about the filming of this? Like well, the actual I love filmography? The, opening, the opening shot. I said that I started watching it last night and my wife was in the room. And just them driving up. Like first chance, like she was trying, to, she was trying to sleep, and she's like, "What's with the music?" Because it's like, going, dun, 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 dun. and then it just goes, dun, dun. <laughs> like it just goes up. Yeah. She's like, "Enough!" <laughs> but just visually, like you said, his his um, ability with the steady cam or whatever is the dolly shots. Him and Spielberg were big on dolly shots. Yeah, but. That opening, I'm assuming it's on a helicopter. It's got to be a helicopter, but <laughs> yeah. nowadays I mean, we're kind of spoiled because we'd be like, oh, a drone shot, no big deal. It'll be a drone shot, yeah. But yeah, in 81, that. that's that's a helicopter. And oh man, when he's on the road and you're like, oh, we're on the road, and then he careens off the mm-hmm. side, so- oh man. It's just, yeah. it's an effective, like, it, it, you feel it. You're just like, oh shit, we're going off the side of the mountain. It does, it, it does the danger, but it also sells you on the isolation like that very beginning you're getting isolated you know you're going up and up and up and up and then here's this little hotel well it's not really little but there's this hotel in the middle of nowhere yeah it's a huge hotel in the middle of nowhere on an ancient indian burial ground burial ground (laughs) 
Didn't you the move Simpsons, the headstones, but you never move the bodies. Didn't the Simpsons do an episode <laughs> about that? I'm sure. <laughs> so those are the things you liked. Is well, that's other things? that's, that's just yeah. One. I was there's lots more things that I liked, and I I didn't want to move on too quickly. But mm. the score you mm-hmm. mentioned it, it in the beginning is eerie and builds tension the entire time. I actually at at certain parts I kind of like chuckled a little bit because like the scene would be like escalating and the music would be getting like more and more and more mm-hmm. intense. And then it's like, boom, Wednesday. Yeah. It's like, I, I like I had a chuckle cause I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, nobody died today. Yeah. See, I, I laughed because I'm hearing the music and I'm trying to fit the word, the shining in the music. Score. Shining, shining, <laughs> shining, shining, shining. <laughs> like yeah. Dan, Hello, Newman. I've ruined you. I'm yeah. sorry. You've ruined me. Now I'm trying to hear the title in every freaking score. <laughs> I like that the movie starts with music and then about, what, half an hour in, it's just like, oh, fuck it. We'll just make noise. Like the rest of the score yeah. is just clattering and high pitched noises. And like the music's yeah, gone, mean, man. It's that whole chaos thing. Like it's it's spiraling in the chaos. So the other thing that I I I liked and which... I think could prop might be annoying to some people, but to me, I enjoyed it. Was the naked lady, the old lady? No, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, the way they make you wait for the payoff. Mm-hmm. It's not just. It's every single scene. It's every scene. That's why this movie's like two and a half hours. Sometimes and not, nothing happens. Right, and and not ninety minutes. And in the beginning, a lot of times nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like. Man, like there's just he he keeps doing this, but eventually, like this is these things are gonna build up to something. You know what I mean? But then you get nailed, like when when uh, when Scatman, uh, Halloran, yeah, shows up, and you think that's gonna be a long drawn out thing, and Jack just runs right up and plants that axe right in his chest. Yeah, and it's like okay, everything else was suspenseful. That was fucking crazy. <laughs> Yeah, he just buries it. I mean, it did take a minute for him to get all the way to the other side of the room, and you're like, "What kind of struggle is going to happen?" But didn't they they prefaced it with that long drawn out up the steps, finding you know uh, Wendy breaking down the first door? Like it was just long and drawn out, and then he hears the cat outside, and then he goes down and basically meets him almost in the lobby, like. Mm You would think there would have been a lot longer him looking for them, but I thought uh, I thought there would be a struggle. I thought there would be a monologue. I thought there would be something, but you know what I mean, an exposition or something. Yeah, yeah he, nope, nothing. Just nope. Thoop. <laughs> he jasoned him. <laughs> and you know what was cool about that when Wendy's running around and seeing things, she sees him laying there, and I don't know if Wendy knows that he's real or not. Right, this, right, yeah. Because he looks, he looks just like every other vision that she's having. That. <laughs> That's gonna be the quote of the episode. I liked the way the tension was built, mm-hmm. built up in every scene. It made for a very long movie, but then again, it didn't feel that way. I remember, I stopped it at two points. Like I just paused it real mm-hmm. quick, and the first time it was at like thirty-eight minutes in, and I was like, wow, that felt like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
And, and actually, the next... if you just pause it at 38 minutes and walk away, it's an uplifting story about how a guy finds <laughs> yeah, right. a new job. Yeah, he finally got a job. So yeah. he can pay for therapy for his schizophrenic child. It's a really, it's just a win, uh, win, win kind of thing. Yeah, he's doing well. He's like five months clean. You know, he's got a job. Yeah, it's, it's a very uplifting story. <laughs> anyway. And then what? Um, The next time I paused it was at like an hour and 10. Mm. And at an hour and 10, shit's getting crazy right? at this point. That's like when he's like, get the fuck out of here. But I'm, like- looking, <laughs> I'm looking at how much movie I have left. And I'm like, there's another hour of this? Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, how bad does this get? Uh, and then I watched the rest of it, and it didn't... didn't well, didn't. there was a bear giving a BJ to another man. <laughs> it got pretty bad. It got pretty bad, man. I mean, um, we're not a... It didn't... And we're not a, I'm not gonna judge. a house for judgment, you know? If right. you're a, yeah, you're a bear, a you want to get... Bear, furry, ghost, who likes <laughs> other ghosts. Who Who is that guy? Is that the... Uh, that's not the barkeep. Is it the barkeep? I think it was the barkeep. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know who the bear guy was. We never but... find out. Yeah. Mm. Mm, maybe it was the guy that slaughtered his family. It could have been the ambulance driver. I have no idea. This is true. <laughs> Damn it, Roy. Wow. Good callback. <laughs> <laughs> that is a creepy, creepy ass old school bear mask, though. Yeah. It reminds me of the old Mickey Mouse costumes. Have you ever seen those from? Oh, the, the creepy early, early days of Disney when they just like, I mean, nightmares for days. I don't even want to Google yeah. them. They're too creepy. Yeah, they're bad. And you know, from that era, uh, from the the big yeah, it's almost like a creepy smile, those big puffy cheeks. Thought it was Alf. <laughs> oh. What was the year on the picture at the end? It's like twenty two? Nineteen seventeen, nineteen seventeen. Or something. Nineteen twenty one? Twenty one, maybe. This something is like easily that? verifiable and none of us know offhand. But yeah, anyway, from that era, you know, early Disney creepy costumes. That is probably how a creepy bear costume trying to be cute would look. Mm. I don't know. I'm not a furry expert. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a furry expert, email any us. Any listeners out there yeah, listening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of that, uh, you're, you're going to be getting a few emails, Dan, because I told a couple of the girls at the show uh, that I... I they said how sexy Michael Myers was. And I said, well, you Thank got you, you got to email Dan <laughs> and let him know why you think Michael Myers is sexy. I saw somebody on one of the Facebook groups, you know, not ours, one of the big ones, being like, ooh, he's so sexy. And I was like, legit, I need you to email me why, because I don't get it. <laughs> and I want to understand. I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to learn and listen. <laughs> is it the butcher knife? I don't know. I don't get it. It might be the emotionless face. Yeah, hmm. and the and the and the uh, the sleek build. Uh, they like him skinny. <laughs> but if they if they saw Nick Castle underneath that mask, they would not think he's sexy. <laughs> hey, friend know, of the man. show, Nick Castle. I'm just saying. I don't think Nick thinks he's sexy. <laughs> he's a goofball. But friend of the show, I'm... Nick Castle. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna say it again. Friend of the show. <laughs> hey, just being honest. That's funny. Edit that out. I'll ask him. Well, next time no, I talk to Nick Castle. I'll get a cameo. So, like, you hey, think I'm... are you, uh, do you think you're sexy? <laughs> do you think you got, got a yeah. lot going on? So many hats. <laughs> that man owns a lot of hats. I've learned that yes, from, he does. from uh, Twitter. I like Nick Castle. 
He's yes, pretty cool. Too. I'm just breaking his balls. Big fan. <clears throat> Big old Big sexy fan. balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to The Shining. All right, so I guess let's move on to like my problem, I guess, with the movie. That's all that you're already out of things you like. It's a two and a half hour movie. It's oh, one of no. the most famous I mean, movies of all time and you're out of things. There's so much. I'd have to I mean I mean, is this podcast gonna be like four hours long? It could I, be. I mean Why it could not? be. Listen, it's a pretty if good we can movie. Get two hours out of uh, plumage, we should be able to get two hours out of the shiny. Watch your mouth. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the bird wasn't even didn't even have crystal plumage. I know. Like it was like very and underwhelming. It didn't have Jack Nicholson. It was either. very underwhelming plumage. <laughs> anyway, Wendy, darling, light of my life, <laughs> I'm not gonna hurt you. I love that. You didn't let me finish my sentence. <laughs> I'm just gonna bash your brains in. Oh, so good. I just saw the Joker the entire time. Yeah, definitely a prototype of his Joker oh, performance. Yeah. yeah, and Wolf. I don't you didn't wolf. see Wolf yet, but he played a werewolf in the movie Wolf. And there's a few times where he's like hunting her down, and he gets to a point where he's got his like bottom jaw out further, and he's like on <gasps> like this weird breathe. I'm like, wow. They, I guess people have been wanting him to play a werewolf because he played a really good werewolf. Yeah, he could play crazy pretty good. I think. I need to watch more of the old Jack Nicholson movies to see the range. Because in my purview, he's always been this, right? Kind of like Pacino. Like, seeing early Pacino made me go, oh, yeah, okay, I get it now. Didn't get it before, only having seen recent Pacino. We should do a whole Nicholson season. Because some of his old, like, newer movies, that's where his subtlety comes in. Like, as good as it gets... Even terms of endearment, which I don't know we will cover on this, but like he does have range. I've seen him play not crazy. Is sure. that is that true? What's that? That he has range? I I believe I don't know that eyes. I can handle that truth. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever seen as good as it gets? Oh, I have, yeah. It's been forever. I mean he's got he's he's doing some nice little subtle things in there. He's playing a character, he's not playing Jack. It is funny that his like best known roles, he's Jack Torrance, mm-hmm. he's Jack Napier, <laughs> like, <laughs> dude's got range. What's up? What's what's his uh, name in uh, Cuckoo's Nest? Because that's that's like the trifecta of crazy. Oh, Cuckoo is good. Oh yeah, and that's like a movie full of crazy. We'll be doing that eventually. Now, before you get to your negatives, George, I just want to put this into perspective because. This next thing that I'm going to say blows my own mind every time I say it out loud. This movie, The Shining, was released June 13th, Friday the 13th, (laughs) 1980. It followed Friday the 13th, 1980, which was released in May of 1980. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think about where we are at when we watch Friday the 13th, and then imagine like the jump in quality up to The Shining. And those two things are happening almost simultaneously. That's unimaginable. It breaks my brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get... It's two spectrums, right? I mean, they're both great movies, but done by two totally different directors. While we're on yeah. the subject of Jason Voorhees. We're always on the subject of Jason Voorhees on this show. Go on. Do you remember 
way back when when I said that Jason should be continued on with Tommy Jason. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because Dan and Post was all up in that. Yeah, because he was like <laughs> Tommy Jason was predisposed to it and it could be like he takes up the mantle. Yeah, or PTSD like, where he kind of assumes yeah, it through Yeah, trauma. it's like a mm-hmm. uh like a mania that overtakes him. Mm-hmm. This is what I was talking about. Yes. That. Which yeah. thing in particular? The, Nicholson. What, what happens with Nicholson? Just the h- hysteria. Like, it, it, obviously this, this is because of the isolation, mm-hmm. right? The isolation causes this. But in the Jason movies, you could have had an effective PTSD, uh, you know, causing it mm-hmm. or just mental illness or, you know, or a combination of lots of things. But that's the performance Mm -hmm. or like the type of storyline that I was thinking could continue. I don't know why I expected this type of quality from a Jason movie. I was obviously brand new, but that's this is what I was talking about. But what you're talking about is what they tried to do with Silent Night, comma Deadly Night. I know, (laughs) I know. This movie and it pissed me off so. (laughs) It pissed me off so bad when Dan's like, "See, they did the thing that you suggested, and how did you like it?" And I was like, "That's not what I suggested." To be fair, they it's not both, what I had in mind. They both have crazy white guys running around with an axe. This is true. They do. You're Punishing right. people. I mean, it's essentially the Punish. same movie. Guys, we've already done this movie. It was called Silent Night, comma, Deadly Stop Night. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, shoot. Has Jack Torrance ever actually picked up a hammer? I don't know. Seems like he didn't do any oh any maintaining during that entire period. No, not at all. No, he didn't do another his job. Another th- another thing, the uh the camera when he's hitting the door with mm-hmm. the axe, it's like the it's going camera goes the door. back and forth with the axe. Mm-hmm. It's just a beautiful way to shoot that. It's like what, like I said, I mean, I could go on and on. It would just be me yep. gushing for, you know, that's good. Longer than the actual movie. <laughs> There's so much in this th- in this movie that's amazing. So yeah, this was like my fifteenth time watching this movie, and it's still, I still find things. So yeah, this is not the last time you're gonna watch this movie. No, because it ref- it gets referenced later on. It's gonna make you come back. Same thing with Psycho, but you're gonna watch it for different reasons. I'm gonna, gonna force gonna everyone things. that I know to watch this movie. Yeah, this is the Silence of the Lambs of its time. Like this was the kind of movie that you watched, and you're like, holy shit. Like Dan said in, in the introduction, finally the movie's better than the book. <laughs> you know, yeah. Some people, and with Stephen King, that's the thing. Like everybody always has that problem. They're like, "Wow, the book's better. The book's better." No one can ever capture Stephen King's story on film. But when you get a genius like Kubrick taking a story from a genius like King, you get this, and then sprinkling. Some of the best acting. Yeah. On the planet. And poor Wendy, man. Mm. Isn't like, Shelley Duvall something? She was, I mean, she that was, was the perfect choice to cast. Yeah, a lot of people talked about, you know, her being, like, unattractive and the, all this stuff. And it's like, she's Shelley Duvall. Like, that's that's her look. 
she got hired because she looks like every somebody you would bump into at a supermarket. Like she doesn't, she kind of has that homely look on purpose. They, which again we'll get into. A lot of her character doesn't get developed in the face value, but right. when you when you look at the undertones of this movie. Everybody thinks Jack's going insane. They're all going insane. Like yeah. it's it's not just him. Mm-hmm. Depending on who you talk to, it may be her. Like you don't know what's going on in this movie. It could be the kid, and all this, all the rest of it's from his mind. Like we don't know whose mind we're watching. True. When you're watching this movie, it could be one character going insane, and the others are just along for the ride. You don't know what you're seeing is real. Cooper kind of does certain things to make you realize what's real, what's not, what's in the mind, what's not. But again, that's all interpretation. I could be completely wrong when I say it, but it's it's an interesting aspect of the story when you think about they're all kind of feeling this, not just him. So you don't know whose story you're watching at what point, which yeah. to me is more I, interesting. I actually watched this with uh, with my wife tonight. And, and she did watch it. Yeah, and there was a point where she said, she's she's like, I'm wondering if uh, Halloran is real or if he's like a vision like right. from the past. One of these guys. And I was like, no, 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 he's definitely real. Like, you know, he he talked to like everyone, the manager of the place, the, right. you know, he talked to Jack and, you know, everyone. Like, it's not like a Sixth Sense type of deal where, like, the kid's the only person that's ever talked right. to him. You know what I mean? I was like, he just he just called the police. Like, he's real. Well, <laughs> from what I've realized, the the anchor of reality is that... Because op- I was angry the first couple times I watched this movie where I was like, why did they reveal that information so early in the movie about the, the guy who worked there last time, went insane, slaughtered his family, whatever. Just nonchalantly, in the very beginning, you find that out. Mm-hmm. Instead of later on finding out, oh, they're going crazy, they're being haunted, they're this and that, and then you find out who those two little girls are, and then you find out who the old lady is in the bed. Like, you find out through the movie that these things happened. Why do you think they did that in the beginning? The beginning kind of gives you the anchor of what's reality. Vis- right. Visually. Mm-hmm. What the hotel looks like, where things are. Mm-hmm. furniture, rugs, because they're all taking a tour. You're meeting characters. Mm-hmm. They're all together. And then they go into isolation. Then you start seeing things in the movie that are changing. Rugs are there, then they're not. Chairs are there, and then they're not. Light switches are there, then they're not. Rugs are, uh, carpets are patterned, and patterns are facing certain directions in one scene, and then they're completely facing the opposite. Like, all these things are in there for a reason. So, I don't know if, if, if Dan is buying any of this, but it, <laughs> it might be my, my Mrs. Littman thing. But the, my Mrs. Littman thing came from my head. Right. This theory is something... It's out I, there. I, it's out there, and it's something I've known about for about a year. Okay. So, it, it made the movie a lot more interesting to me. Like, I love this movie at face value. Jack's insane. Jack goes crazy. Jack tries to kill his wife and son. Freezes in the snow. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) 
But now with this new take, it makes me love it a million times more, and it's going to make me watch it a bunch more times because sure. I know I missed a lot of shit. So yeah. But then again, Dan would be like, nah, no, it was just, you're crazy. <laughs> I think that the the reason why they tell you that up front is because, there, I don't know, there's a lot of things that would be a lot less eerie if you didn't know that bad things happened in this mm-hmm. place. Like, for example, when the first time Danny's riding his big wheel and he comes across room 237. Mm-hmm. Right. You know that Scatman, uh, Halloran, or Halloran, told him not to go in there. Mm-hmm. Right. You're doomed. We also know, <laughs> yeah. We also know that, you know, some guy killed his family in this place. Right. So just the action of Danny trying the doorknob is so. Filled yeah, with anxiety. You have no idea what's behind the door. It's right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But there would be no, or there would be less anxiety if you didn't know any of those things. Well, I mean, through storytelling, you can you can still build that tension in a different way without that big big reveal. But you think can about give that. A small reveal. But think about that. Oh, I know. The scene was a little kid trying a doorknob. Yeah. How did that make you feel? It's uneasy, but you can establish that. But by it's just, just it's just a kid trying a doorknob. Why is that scary? Because you were given a backstory. Right. But what I'm saying it's is so if, if fucking good. No, it is it's <laughs> it's perfect. But what I'm saying No, no, is, I'm not saying I'm not saying that you're wrong or anything. No. I'm just saying I I I'm just gushing again. You can still all. do that with the bo- little boy having his little visions and whatever and he's seeing those two little girls. He's seeing the bloody hallway. He's seeing the room 237 in his visions to establish yeah. that there's something going on in that place yeah, that I gotcha. none of them know. Right. But to have that reveal so early kind of kind of plays into this new theory that I've heard. Yeah. And, and learned about. I also kind of after watching the movie, I kind of feel like that reveal at the beginning, you know, about, you know, that that reveal at the beginning when they just tell him nonchalantly. It's kind of like, okay, that happened here. That's not the worst thing that's ever happened here. Right. That's just the worst thing that we know about that happened here. True. Is what is the, you know. Right. Well, you think the about pol- that I Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. If you found out in the opening credits, a big news report that the neighborhood was built on a cemetery and the bodies were never moved. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Well, I, I, let's watch might, this movie. It might be more stressful. But I don't know. It explains a lot. It doesn't, it, it takes away from the stress. You think so? I, I think in that situation it would. But now, in The Shining, it doesn't change it either way. Go ahead, Dan. In Halloween, are you less scared of Michael Myers because you know he killed his sister back in the 60s? Uh, No. Because in a lot of ways, you could be like, oh, they should have held that back, you know, like a Jallo, and it should have been a whodunit, and you should be, you know, prom night and a couple other movies. We'll take the Halloween thing and try to add that back in later. Uh. And it's just, it's a choice, right? And if you make the choice to show that Michael Myers is a kid killer and now he's going to be a grown-up killer and he's coming back, like, mm-hmm. you've made your choices. Now it's up to John Carpenter to make it still scary. Right. And it's the same thing here where it's like, Kubrick makes some astoundingly difficult choices. 
and he still executes. And I think that's where he needs to get Absolutely. the credit. It's like Absolutely. he puts together his his selections, and he lives with them. And he like, oh man, he just nails oh, yeah. every every time you could make it worse. You know, like you reveal it up front. Oh, you could totally take away the tension, or you could manipulate the audience into more tension. Right? Like, right. You could have messed this up. A lot of directors would have messed messed this up. Even the perfect Silent Night, comma Deadly Night Two might have messed this up. It's a difficult choice, right? And Kubrick, man, he just he he sets up a play and he runs it. Right. You brought up Halloween, and I I think what I'm equating my issue is to the studio's um, decision to reveal in the trailer that Michael Myers was a kid when he killed his sister. I didn't have a problem with them showing him kill his sister. I had a problem with them revealing that in the trailer. Because that's that's good reveal. They should have they should have kept that for the moviegoer. Yeah, but it's literally right. the first five minutes. So it's like yeah. eh. So with with this, I'm just thinking it always bothered me that they revealed all that stuff really early, but now this new stuff I've learned over the year, uh, it makes it make sense. It tells gotcha. me why they did it. Yeah. If this theory is true. So where'd you come up with this theory? I didn't come up with it. I, I stumbled upon it. Where'd you stumble upon this theory? You probably know about it if you're talking that <laughs> way. I assume it's YouTube or that one documentary, but it's it was a, it was a documentary type thing that someone uh, shared with shared to me, and I just listened to it. And it was just interesting. I'm not buying into it. But it's a it's a good theory. But I I don't know if we want to get into it until after we talk about everything we want to talk about. Because I heard you say conspiracy theories earlier, and I'm like, okay, maybe Dan knows what what I know, and we'll talk about it. But I don't want to get into it until after we actually talk about the movie. All right, I'll put the, I'll the put the pin back in. Yeah, put the put pin the back pin in back that in one. one. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth a look. Let's put it that. So, George, you said you do have a couple of issues with the movie. Anything like? That really could have ruined the movie if you didn't love it so much already, or, or just little stuff. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the way it ended, but then again, I'm kind of like, you know, it's the way it ended. Mm-hmm. You know, like I could say, oh, I would have done it this way, I would have done it that way, but like, who the fuck am I? I right, you're you not know? Kubrick, exactly. <laughs> so, but um, I did. I guess I'm really just kind of confused about why he chose to like have Nicholson in the picture at the end. Yeah, I mean that's always been the confusion. Like people are wondering, okay, was he there before? Was he, was he always? Was he like a, it's a weird haunting? Because yeah. it was you know it was deja vu. He yeah. feels like he's been there before. He's you know blah blah blah, and it's like okay, you know you could have been there before. I don't know, like in a past life, but you wouldn't have looked exactly the same. Right. Right. Yeah, I think if I can throw my two cents in, I would say that whole subplot is a waste of time. And they could cut every reference to him ever being there before or having any inkling that he was familiar with the place, and the movie would be just fine. Yes. I agree. Weird. It's a weird bit of unnecessary... Well, you have to buy into the whole past life thing. But for it, that to even But they be... don't even, like, they don't put any effort into it. You just literally right, have to, right. at face value, be like, oh yeah, past lives. I'm with you. Like, give me more. Give me more. Yeah. Like, if he'd sprouted wings at the end and flown off, you could be like, well, you just got to buy into the angel thing. And it's like, but there's nothing yeah. there. <laughs> like, you just right. put wings on the guy and he flies off. I don't get it. Like, right. 
And for and this is where, you know, for later, I love what Kubrick did with a lot of this material. But the the dude's not like immaculate, right? Like he threw in all this extra stuff that's not really in the book. All this like he's been there before, now he's in the picture, like, what? Okay. Like Yeah, mm. so that was that was basically my only problem. I mean, I think that if I can, if I may, Mr. Kubrick, um, I think I would have had uh, Jack kill Wendy. And I think it would have had Jack and Danny freeze in the maze. Okay. And so Scatman when- just finds it. Is okay. I think the way I would have done it. It would have been a total tragedy, which is... Yeah, which you know that I love. Um, which is why this is one of the movies you needed to see. <laughs> yeah, or or Wendy, he kills Wendy. Danny freezes in the in the hedges, the hedge maze, and Scatman Halloran um, ends Jack. That would have been. Or you go uh, the full silent. Night, comma, deadly night, and have Jack kill Wendy, and then Danny kill Jack, and then and then Halloran walks up to Danny, a eight year old boy holding this giant axe that he just killed his dad with, and then you can go into PTSD uh, and story repeat line. the process, yeah. But what, and then you see the picture the of kid. Jack in the 1920s uh, July 4th ball or whatever and then in the corner it fades into add Danny's face he's also been there forever oh he's been there forever I don't know why they did that it doesn't make <laughs> it's any so bad. sense <laughs> it yeah, just like it, it. kind of makes it I don't know if it solidifies it being a ghost story or a reincarnation story or whatever like I was I was a big fan of the mentality that it was a ghost story like they were they were in that hotel and they were experiencing the energy of people past and then when i got older and i thought okay well maybe none of this is really happening and it's just the isolation causing them to go insane yeah and everything they're seeing is not real you know what's what's it's kind of weird you can view it like that you know they're just going crazy or you can view it as kind of like a mix between a ghost story and like a like a demonic possession, right? Or like a, it would be a, a, like a poltergeist because it's it's the energy of the place kind of taking kind over. of yeah. like a like a ghosts ghosts oppressing the people that are there, right? You know, and making them crazy. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I guess that's exactly what it was. Yeah. It's a matter of you, if you want to put a a a supernatural uh, twist to it, or you just want to make it psychological. It just, it, to me, it's left open to interpretation. Either or, yeah. But with that picture at the end, it kind of solidifies the supernatural. Like, yeah, which is why, I guess, yeah, that's why I didn't like it. It's weird, though, because in the book, and if you haven't read the book, guys, skip it. <laughs> I mean, if you want to read the word bitch a thousand times with your eyeballs, it's the perfect read. Uh, okay. Otherwise, it's just, I don't know, the dialogue is It's like clunky. hanging out at the Jersey Shore. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. The thing is, like, the characterization of Jack Torrance just, 
it should be more fleshed out than this movie and instead it's just like oversimplified angry man hates his wife like it's just i don't know this must be that's the the book version the book of Jack, version. Is that? it's yeah okay. it's it's less nuanced in a lot of ways than what you have okay. in the movie it's weird well maybe the movie was written that way too and then jack kind of added added the nuance well but in the book it's like way more like hey this is a haunted house thing like okay shit is haunted stuff gets weird the end of the book is bonkers right like if i remember right there's like hedgerow monsters that appear and like attack <sighs> yeah i <laughs> so mean it's, it's just, a stephen king book it's a stephen king <laughs> book. so yeah. it's just interesting to me the choices that kubrick made to keep certain elements and then to do the other you know the supernatural bits that he picked aren't necessarily the ones that i would have picked if i were the director he still executes for the most part and it's a hell of a movie i love it uh but i don't know i do think it's interesting though in this scenario you could easily do a successful version of the shining where it is absolutely just a mental illness breakdown Mm -hmm. you could do it to where the kid is the crazy one and the parents are sane and it would still work you could do it to where there really is someone in the hotel and they don't know it you know Mm -hmm. all these different movies could be made and be totally successful and awesome and in this actual movie we have, they just kind of tease all these ideas all at once, which is a really interesting kind of buckshot way of approaching storytelling. But it's right. generally pretty effective. Yeah, well, I think that all of those different stories that are being thrown at you, they all work together, except for that one. Yeah. The, the very with the, end. With the picture at the end. Just throws it off. Everything else works. But there's a through line through the movie. When you go back through and, and watch the next five times, uh, you'll there's little stuff in between, you know. I can think of three or four off the top of my head where you're just like, "Oh God, that's the picture at the end." Oh God, this is gonna be, you know, it's all it's there, but it doesn't need to be. You could cut out each of those little references, and the movie's no worse for it. Mm, yeah. Hey you guys, it's Dan in post. I got to thinking about this, and I'm wondering if there was some studio pressure to incorporate some Amityville horror elements where they've got the protagonist in that who appears in pictures from earlier haunts at the same house. So it may just be studio notes, guys. Question about typewriters. Yeah. When she comes upon the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, she twists it up and sees more and sees more, and it's scary and it's scary and it's scary. But she's refeeding yeah, stuff the- that she'd already, he'd already typed. Yeah, that part of the page would be blank. That doesn't make any sense. Shut it up. Unless yeah. he's like typing over himself, but then maybe he's typing over himself. He's got all those other pages. Crazy. He's what? I don't know. That just seemed like a cool shot, where they were just like, uh, nobody'll notice that it doesn't make any sense. Mm. I liked how he wrote that phrase over and over again in like different yeah shapes and like it's paragraph indented, forms yeah. and it's in de- yeah. It's he like, even does a screenplay at one point. Yeah, very yeah. <laughs> It's cool. Now, what what's cool is there's the the scene where she comes in the room and he's like, "You're distracting me, ruining my concentration." That that scene, yeah. Like he he takes. It's very strange because she comes in, she says stuff to him and whatever, and then she leaves, and the paper that he removed from the typewriter earlier, when she walked in, is in the typewriter again. Uh huh. So it's like, did that scene actually happen, or is that? I think the scene actually happened, and what they had was a continuity error. 
Uh, See, that's the th- but, that's the but thing. But George, uh, there are no continuity errors in this movie. Everything is perfect. <laughs> I don't know, Travis is making a face right now, isn't he? He's no, he, his eyes know, are going I back think... and forth. Like mm. <laughs> he knows what I know, so he's like just he's fishing. He's goading. I can tell. He's goading. I can tell that that there's a. I can tell. There's a theory. I think that we, we should, both know there's, about. I think there's we lots should of talk. Theories. We should talk about how Jack Torrance is the luckiest man alive, because when he gets fought around in the uh, pantry, which is full of you know canned goods and large giant ketchup containers and all these things, the only thing he crashes into is a box of Rice Krispies. <laughs> it's very lucky. That would have been some yeah, major I head mean, trauma. That's the end of the movie, you know. I mean, big old, uh, you know, I don't know how how big are those giant cans of ketchup you can buy for like summer mm, camps? Like twenty five pounds. Yeah, so you got twenty five pounds of ketchup on the bean. Like that's the end of the movie. Well, oh, he just took a baseball bat. To you, the head. you know what I was thinking? Like, obviously, she took him to the pantry so that this movie could continue. <laughs> if she took him to the freezer, movie's over. Maybe she did. Maybe <laughs> she did. Just saying. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. But she didn't. Maybe she never took him to the pantry. Maybe she took him outside, and that's where he froze to death in the in the hedges. Maybe she never met him, and this is and, all just her fantasy. And that's why when they show him at the end, he's got four feet of snow around him already. What it's gonna he's been keep, out there a while. It's going to keep snowing. It's Colorado. They get 20 feet of snow a year. I know. I know. Just saying. He just died, but he's already got that much he snow He was out around. there all oh night. God. It's a storm of the century. No, he didn't just die because it went from nighttime to, to morning. In the shot, like it was boom, and the shot changed, and it was morning, so it was out there all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. I didn't think anything of that. You guys remember what if? Before we get okay. into the what ifs, do <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember back on when we were talking about Psycho? Uh, what seems like a decade ago, uh, I told you about my sister-in-law who beat me about the head with a pillow. I will never forgive you for this. That one. Yeah. She was traumatized by the transitions, uh, the Monday, mm. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. She jumped at every one of them. <laughs> what's, the, what's the cop show that does that? <laughs> law and Order. Law and Order. That's what it is. It's like Law and Order. If you ever meet my sister-in-law, <laughs> I encourage you to tell her what day of the week it is, dramatically. She will be mad at you. <laughs> you know who else does that? That's in Seven. I wonder if they, they took that right from, from Cooper. Steal from the best, man. The movie seven, they do that all. They do that throughout the movie. It tells you, gives you the day. Yeah, and then it, it shows you the weather changing. It's real rainy in the beginning, and then as you learn more and things get solved, yeah, at the very end, it's it's bright. It's yeah. bright and sunny. But they do the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They do that too. And do they do it abruptly with a bang? I don't remember. Uh, not a bang, but they do kind of cut. It's kind of like a a grungy kind of. It, it cuts quick overlay. The just the letters. It's not like a black screen. Okay. It just it'll cut to like a street scene, and you'll see like you'll hear the police cars and stuff in the background, city noise, and then you'll just see like Thursday at the bottom. Right. And it's like kind of well, jerky. That, that movie. I don't. I haven't seen it in a long time. But there's seven deadly sins, right? Mm-hmm. There's and seven days. And there's seven days. So yeah, it makes sense that the whole movie just happens in the course of a week time is is part of that too because the one guy's retiring and he's got to solve this case before he retires yes great movie good stuff 
Now, Travis, I have not watched any of the documentaries that go into the hidden, you know, uh, numerology and astrology of the movie The Shining, as created by Mr. Kubrick. But I am aware that there are a lot of theories. Mm. And the few that I've heard thrown around, I'm not sold on. Okay. But I'm I'm interested to hear your Should I say the one on I'm it? talking about and see if it, you yeah, knew about it? Yeah, let's okay. talk about it. The the theory that I've I've heard a lot of theories, but this one kind of stuck out. The the theory that Wendy is the schizophrenic. Okay. And when Jack finds out about the the killings and all that stuff, he calls her on the phone and tells her about it. And from then on, she's pushing that information throughout. Like you you see her behavior based on that information. And it, it it's hard to explain without watching the movie and pointing the things out. Hey guys, it's Dan in post. I went back to look at the phone call just to be sure. Never does he broach the subject in the movie of these murders. Now he tells the interviewer that she'd be fascinated by the murders because she likes ghost stories and shit. Cool. That doesn't mean he ever told her on that phone call. It doesn't have anything to do with her psychic abilities or schizophrenia or whatever it is we're trying to ascribe to her character for all this made-up stuff. Here's the thing. We can make up any theory we want and back it up by saying, maybe it happened and we just didn't see it. But it's all just bullshit. But there's, a, like Dan said, there's a lot of fans talk about the, and non-fans talk about the inconsistencies and the edit problems and all these different things. But if you, if you watch it, if you watch this commentary on the situation, it shows you why the continuity is that way. Bullshit! And it shows you scenes where they're, like every time the camera's behind the character or they go into a room and the furniture's different or there was a rug there and then it's not, mm-hmm. it's basically telling you what's reality and what's from Wendy's mind. What's reality? So you, that's why I'm saying the anchor is his their first walkthrough and his meeting because you see all the offices, you see all the or the room where he's typing, mm-hmm. you see the pantry, you you see all the all the locations that you're going to see throughout the movie. The cat outside, the hedges, you see everything in the beginning, and then throughout the movie you can see when things are different. Furniture-wise, light fixtures, lamps, tables, rugs. And they go back and forth. Like, that chair's there, then it's not. Then it's there again. So, it, it, the and theory is... And so, like, is, these things change as Wendy's involved in the scene? Or, yeah, or she's imagining or hallucinating the event. Like, they're saying the scene where Danny had his neck grabbed, uh-huh. right? They talk about how she's the one who did it. She's the crazy woman in the room. But she doesn't, because she's schizophrenic, she's not seeing it first person. She's seeing it third person, in a way. Like, she's she's almost seeing it well, she happen. Would, she would have to not... Well, because she accused Jack right. of doing it. But, again, this whole theory talks about those scenes where, like, when he's confessing to the bartender, 
anything that happens in that room, that bar room, that that mm-hmm. ball. I guess it was a ballroom. Uh, that's part of her uh, hallucination. That's her projection. Of, that's her projection of what her relationship with her husband is, and it goes all the way back to the drive up when they're driving up, and they show his his discontent, like all these different things that. It's almost like her interpretation of him. And she's. They also bring up Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Like they think that her. Do you know what that is? Munchausen mm, syndrome? Remind me. That's usually when a, when a mother will make their child sick so that they get the sympathy. Okay. They Sixth get the sense attention. Has a, a yeah, Sixth sense that. covers it yes, too. Yes. Yes. So it's like, you know, when she calls the doctor to come to the house, the kid doesn't remember. He was just brushing his teeth. And then he remembers his mom trying to wake him up. Like all these different things that are happening, it's almost like it's based upon her interpretation of what's going on. And like that scene where she's sitting there with the cigarette and the ashes just getting longer and longer and longer. Yeah. Like all these different things, it's, it's, it's showing like she's trying to set up sympathy for herself. Like, you know, Jack did, you know, used to drink and he came home and. Yeah. Yeah. Why would she say that? Like all these things that she's doing, she's, she's obviously mentally unstable and going to that hotel with Mm -hmm. that background story, her schizophrenia kicks in and all these things like that explains why when Jack, this theory says when she hit him in the head with the bat and he fell backwards and then she drug him in the pantry. She actually didn't drag him to the pantry because when she does drag him to the pantry, the pantry looks different than it did in the beginning of the movie. Oh, so I, I, I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch of shit like that. Like, I'm telling you, if you watch this, All right, no, if you no, watch I, it, I, I'd like this. It, ex, it explains a lot. It kind of explains. There's that, a really cool find thing. Find that video. I'll watch it. Inside what is it of that the they pantry. used to say on the old Truther video that they make some really good points. Yeah, it makes really good points. Uh, well, here's another one. Kool-Aid. Uh-huh. Cans of Kool-Aid all over her kitchen. Uh-huh. Right? And Oreos. You see in the pantry when Danny's having his shining uh-huh. and and Halloran turns and says something to him or smirks at him or whatever, uh-huh. there's cans of Kool-Aid in the pantry around him. But then when they cut to another view, they're not there. Like, the, the Kool-Aid is... is purposely put in spots to be on screen but they're not there the same scene from a different angle i'm telling you it it was i was i was listening to this and i'm like holy shit i need to watch this movie again and see but then they show you clips so you can see that lamp like the scene where danny goes into his dad's bedroom Mm -hmm. that's a hallucination that's not really happening that's that's her thinking about that. That them and that's why she doesn't him. want him to go get his fire truck because she's afraid that's what's going to happen. Because that's what's in her mind. She's schizophrenic, so you can't really, you can't really like Dan, Dan said earlier that Danny is the schizophrenic. So I guess only like in my said, uplifting uh, thirty-minute version of this, where they finally get the money to get him the help he needs. <laughs> right. She, I, I buy into it because she definitely plays it as mentally unstable and not just because she's being chased around. Like 
she was unstable from the beginning. Like, just the way she acts, the way she talks, her behavior. Do they go so into I, why it's Kool-Aid and not Oreos in your video you talked about? Because here's the thing. This movie is shot right after Jonestown. So hmm. Kool-Aid has a very pop culture yes. thing. And so I think if Kool-Aid is present in shots on purpose and it's not just product placement, shout out to J&B, <laughs> the official Scotch whiskey. Is that what that is? J&B Scotch whiskey of the remedial film class. Is and it? every Jollo ever. It oh, ought to be. It's it's I, mean, if, yeah, I was going to say, he was drinking Jack Daniels in this movie, but okay. And they called it bourbon. That bothered me. Yeah, and I don't even it's drink. It's not. I was yeah. confused. And But you know, here's the thing. If you really read the label on the back, it says that she's a schizophrenic and it's not real. And actually, it turns out she doesn't have a very good understanding of alcohol. So, of course, she would think that was bourbon. And that's why she's exactly gives right. It's right. No, because <laughs> if, if a real bourbon drinker said, bartender, give me a bourbon. And he gave you a Jack Daniels, you'd be like, "You're the worst bartender alive." <laughs> but it wasn't because it wasn't really Jack. It wasn't Jack. It was no, I fake mean Jack for Jack, but it might right. not have been Jack at all. <gasps> no, 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 no. I meant the character Jack. It wasn't really Jack at the bar because Jack at the bar ordering a bourbon would tell the bartender, "You're an idiot." Right. This is a sour mash Tennessee whiskey. This is not bourbon, but. A schizophrenic wife sees that bottle and is like, that's bourbon because that's what makes my husband crazy. There you go. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I was kidding and you went with it. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. No. <laughs> it was an inside I'm, job. I'm only half, I'm only half serious. <laughs> but actually, I mean, again, it makes I didn't sense. Say I'm, I mean, I'm it, believing it, it brings it up just, some good points. It definitely it makes some good points. That's exactly what they said about <laughs> the truther videos and they were wrong. <laughs> It makes me want to, I want this movie to have multiple levels. I enjoy it at face value, but if it is, if it has these multiple levels, it makes it even more better in the book and it makes him even more of a genius. Can we, can we agree that the only reason why that theory is the only reason why it is so infectious is because if any director was going to do it, it would be him. It would be Cooper. Well, they did say he was very like adamant about being involved in the editing process. Like he was obsessed. Well, but that's yeah. a good director who wants to yes. have final cut. And when you're already at the point of the edit, you're not switching around the direction of the arrows on the floor in the edit. Like that's already done. That's on film. No, that's all been filmed. That's in the can. But, so I don't know. And and you can you can tell. I'm not saying he he did the trickery in editing. What I'm saying is he had a story to tell. Yeah, and, and he, everyone who is making this movie would have to know that there's reasons why they're changing the way the floor tiles are. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe Kubrick was just like these tiles are faced the wrong way. Face them the other way, and everyone was just like, "Okay, crazy director." Did this they is shoot what I signed this, up for? Did they shoot this in a hotel, or did they have just a bunch of sound stages? I think they filmed it in the hotel. See, I'd need more information about it. where That's they shot. Colorado, was right? it open at the time? Were they dealing with, you know, uh, the business requirements of a hotel while they're trying to shoot around different stuff going on? Like, are there reasons they're shooting in different hallways and trying to make them look like the same hallway? Stuff like that. I need more information. 
Because what this sounds like yeah, to me, you, guys, you would you would need more information if you were actually trying to get to the bottom of it. There was a, a thing you said, Travis, during our Exorcist episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it made it into the episode or if it's on the cutting room floor for later Patreon <laughs> usage or whatever we're going to do with that extra stuff. But you said something for the, along for the, the lines Snyder of cut. you were trying to use your eyes and apply faith to it. And now you were told by the priest to see with faith. How, how did you say it? Because you said it better than I did. Uh, uh, it was um, faith. I think it's faith is seeing is believing without seeing and i guess that would be belief is is faith right so believing without seeing and then the other would be seeing to believe it like you have to see it to believe it see and that's where i get hung up with all these director things because it sounds to me like what they do what what people do and i'm not saying you're doing this because it sounds like you are just kind of dipping your toe in it but the people that really get into this stuff i feel like they mix up hero worship and like that numerology kind of thing where it's like, mm. let me just keep adding and subtracting numbers until I can come up with a narrative myself to right, explain right. why I've done all this work, you know? Yeah. And then a little bit of like affirming the consequent where it's like, you know, because it is this way, it must be intended to be this way. Right. So because, you know, coming from the, you know, the, the statement, the, the, you know, I don't want to say the assumption cause that sounds like I'm making fun of people, but you know, uh, you know, my, uh, my premise is that this movie is perfect. Therefore every mistake in it must be mm-hmm. intended by the director because this movie is perfect. Right. And it's like, eh. and I, I agree with that because I, you can watch a movie and go, Oh, like I just watched, Parts of Stripes the other day. Perfect movie. It is a perfect movie. movie, But, I don't know if George has ever seen it, but there are parts, just like, uh, I can rattle off a bunch of movies where you watch them and you find the mistakes. Oh, the editing mistakes, you know. He threw money on it in Stripes. He threw money on his chest and all these bills landed on his his, uh, chest. Then they cut away and they come back and obviously had him get, get up and then get back down and they threw the bills around him and not on his chest. So those are editing mistakes. Or those are that's continuity just, mistakes. That's just his uh, perception of the world, man. He thought it he was had actually, money on him, and it was when never. He had, it's a different kind of movie, it man. Was, You're not going to put that kind of thought in the stripes. <laughs> but this movie, psychological the, the thriller. The thing is, when the money was on the floor, that was when it was Wendy's perception of it. Right. And when it was on his chest, it was reality. No. It that's takes a lot know. of extra legwork to even, like, entertain that idea i'm willing to like sit down and watch the movie if i ever take the time to watch that you know and just score there i won't score the movie based on what they say but i'll score their nonsense based I'll on how much you, it corresponds i'll send you the, the link video. if i can find it i'll send you the link and then you can let me know and if if it's something that is interesting then we can do a part part b of this episode and you can say you know what they're on to something actually that sounds fun because it, it was it, <laughs> Someone there. There was nothing in that video where he was a Kubrick whore. The guy talking. He wasn't the kind of guy who's like, and he does everything for a reason, and and he's awesome, and oh. like he's just like he's not all over him. He's right. explaining the difference between uh, forgetting to put a set piece 
or purposely moving, removing something. Well, but that also and, takes out the possibility that like the lamp was messing up the lighting. And so, okay, scoot the lamp. We got to get better lighting. Because that sounds to me like a Kubrick move, right? Like, I want this light to bloom just past the actor's head, just like this. And I know the lamp was there in the last shot, but now it's screwing up my light. Move the lamp. Oh, it's perfect. I got the shot I wanted. No, it doesn't explain. Like, let's say, like, I'm looking at George's I think wall. I think we just, I think we need to all watch, watch this it, right. explanation and then watch this movie again and talk about it. We're going to need <laughs> a Patreon <laughs> just for this. Let, let's yeah. think, think about this, okay? You have a wall behind you. Yes. Right? It has a three switch light switch plate and a thermometer or a, like a, a, what do you call it? A thermostat behind you. Okay. Right? And a clock. Part of the scene, all that is there. Then when something weird is happening, happening or something detrimental to the crazy, the clock is upside down. Mm-hmm. Or the the uh, thermostat is no longer there. Or none of it is there. Then when the crazy stops. It's back. It's all there. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about it, a lampshade it, it can't be, tilted. It can't be unintentional. It's, it's on purpose. You had to you had to undo the set. And yeah. And if there was a hole in the wall from that thermostat, you had to spackle it and paint it. And then go back. We're going to have to watch the thing cuz that's a perfectly reasonable thing that a director would do. Yes. As an intentional move. But I'm gonna need to see like specific sighted scenes. I'm not just okay. yeah. I uh, I was. I'll, I'll find the link. I I think I bookmarked it somewhere. Let's do it. Because here's the thing, guys. You and I and I you and you and I know that Halloween is a near perfect movie. Yes, but you found plenty of things. But <laughs> as we have been talking about all these movies, and as we've interacted with people from the movies and stuff, it's hit me that more than likely when he originally intended to do it. They would happen across Sheriff Brackett at the robbery before they went to school. And for whatever reason, in the editing room, he realized, oh, if I do that, X, Y, and Z don't make sense in this morning. So I'm just going to put that interaction after school. Mm -hmm. But that means that that mask and stuff that he stole from the hardware store, put on, drove to the school, appeared outside the school, wore the mask. Now, after school, hours later, they see the store. That alarm has been going off for like eight hours. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. But it was the choice he had to make to make the movie work, and it's fine. But he could have, in post, removed the sound of that bell. Well, but they know? even talk about, you know, oh, hey, you know, it's just some kids. You know, the police are still there working. Yeah. It. Like You game everything on kids. And it's yeah. that thing where, like, <laughs> you and I and you, George, I think we can all agree that that was probably something he had, a decision he had to make in the editing room to make the movie work better than it would have the other way. However, some people on the YouTube and other places might be like, oh, no, you see, because John Carpenter is perfect, that was the way Mm -hmm. it was always intended. And you see, the alarm has to go off for eight hours because eight is the sum of four and four. And if you take four minus one, that's three. And then three and one is 31. And that's Halloween. And the movie's called Halloween. Right. No, I, yeah. 
I ain't got time for that. <laughs> and that, that's not what I listened to and or watched. So, <laughs> so I be just, safe in knowing it wasn't that. Okay, thank God. It's not numerology and it's not some kind of... Uh, I love that God. Dan just made up a numerology like on the spot. Yeah, and like I know right he, I know he didn't rehearse that. <laughs> no, that's just off the top of my head. Yeah. But that's how those things go. Yeah, it was unscripted. Yeah. It's <laughs> only if you give them the weight of the assumption of perfection that any of this actually well, yeah. comes through. Numerology. I mean, I kind of enjoy. Sorry, numerology uh, Twitter, but no. Yeah, I enjoy those kind of conspiracy theories when I'm talking about like Illuminati and stuff like that. Like I enjoy the 33, like reference and also like trying to figure that out but i would leave jose canseco out of this that man is a national (laughs) treasure (laughs) but no i mean there's a lot there's a lot of references to to uh what do you call it imagery and symbolism i enjoy that but when you sit down and you calculate like the people that'll sit down and go page by page in the bible and, and do the math like you just did like two two four one three that means jesus was you know yeah i don't have time for that because a it makes sense to no one but them but yeah it sounds good because they make it sound good but it's just like when you hear somebody talking about science science and they're full of shit like i watched a mockumentary about mermaids one time (laughs) and, (laughs) and all the people talking were scientists quote i'm doing air quotes yeah they were all scientists and they're they're doing that Three quarter camera view, kind of like making it look interview, yeah. and they do their credentials underneath them, and they're talking about you know the history of these creatures and blah blah blah, and it sounds so scientific, and so it's none of it's make none of it's true, but it sounds like something you would see on National Geographic. That's amazing. But instead of being you know like wolverines, it's mermaids. It sounds so convincing, and then they they splice in like little video. You know, like the Sasquatch type video, like oh, oh, there's a fin. They, oh, but they make it look like it's a it's a scientific show. Yeah. So it depends on how you who produces it and how they word things. But this was different. This was just a fan. It seemed like a a movie fan theory, not so much a Stanley Kubrick groupie. If that makes sense, because then. You had you had responses in the comments. I remember some of them were like, uh, you know. Bullshit. This is I call bullshit on this or whatever. Like he, I, I saw an interview where Kubrick just said that he did he moved that furniture and stuff to create um what's the word instability or something like. And I'm like I don't know. Like after watching it, it seems pretty strategic. Yeah, I, yeah. We just have, have to watch, watch it. it. Yeah, and then we'll do part two. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> Dan's like, no, no I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. Patreon. We'll woo. Um, <laughs> but okay. So seriously though, I want to know what they said about the Kool-Aid thing. And we don't, you don't have to go look it up and tell me. I'm just saying to the world, if you are going to tell me in a movie that is shot two years after Jonestown, that Kool-Aid isn't vilified in that way, I think you're missing the point. And also, if you're telling me that in a movie where blood fills an elevator bay twice and that's not a red kool-aid joke like come on guys Mm. come on tons of kool-aid then you get kool-aid blood down the hallway that's not a coincidence man four plus four minus three equals (laughs) i don't think i don't think kool-aid had anything to do with the blood 
Red thinks is it was it, just like... Is it cherry Kool-Aid? I assume it's cherry Kool-Aid in my head. Maybe that's my assumption. Because I didn't notice I Kool-Aid in the back. A, I, I noticed a ton a really of other scary products. scary vision. Yeah. Lots, of good, lots of good product placement. Hey, it's Dan in post again. Went back and checked, and at the 27 minute, 49 second mark, there are indeed two different kinds of red Kool-Aid next to a bunch of cans of Tang. And it's like, man, I don't know if it's a Kool-Aid joke or just a Tang joke. But seriously, product placement all over this mug. And, I mean, yeah, back to the show. Oh, the other thing. Oh, yeah. The other thing that was made a lot of sense to me was they show when when uh, Jack shows up with his family to the hotel and they right before they do their walkthrough. Mm-hmm. They show their bags, all their luggage mm-hmm. in the lobby. Wait, first of all, way, way, way too many bags to have been in that Volkswagen. But, I did think that that was a lot of bags. But um, they are going to the, live there for a whole winter, so. But I don't know where they put that yeah, shit. Yeah, but also they <laughs> drove this little teeny tiny car there. Right. Um, Maybe they the, shipped them. The big wheel, uh-huh. in reality, is one color. And then when they show the camera behind Danny riding the bike through the hallways, it's a different color. So in this theory, when you see Danny on the red bike, it's in Wendy's head. And when you see Danny, Danny's reality bike, it's actually blue. See, and then, okay, maybe, maybe, who knows? Uh, I guess I will know if I ever do all the research. But here's the uh, thing I would point out, though, is, is you could just as easily say that Kubrick was putting him on a reddish bike when he's in danger and a bluish bike. Right. When he's not. Like, there's so much more that Kubrick could be doing that we're all, like, tying up into one theory mm-hmm. by entertaining this. I, I don't know. Yeah, they also mentioned the camera angle. That it's, like, it's, like, very blatant and important to see when the camera is uh, behind. Like, the scene when they're watching the TV. A lot of yeah. TV watching in this movie. Yeah, I had a note about that. And, the black and white with a big, big window. You could see the snow outside. Mm-hmm. That TV's not plugged in. She's sitting in the room with Danny, and that TV is not plugged in, but there's something playing on the TV. But the camera angle is from, from behind, behind both characters. And it's right before he goes into the bedroom to get his fire engine. He's really just sitting there playing with his toys and gets bored, and he wants to go get his fire engine. That's what this says. And there's really nothing on that TV. Hey, it's Dan in post with a shout out to our sponsor, Occam's Razor. Looking at the 51 minute. 44 second mark of The Shining, you can indeed see that the TV doesn't have any visible uh, cord coming from it. However, you could also note that it's in a beautiful alcove with no outlets. So even if they wanted to have a visible plug, they couldn't. And so what is more likely, uh, friends at Occam's Razor, that it's all part of some kind of uh, previously unestablished psychic link between her and the TV and Danny, or that the shot looked fucking sweet? Back to the show. So I mean, it's 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 interesting. I have I'm to, telling you. Yeah, I I'm intrigued because to me more it makes, intrigued than Dan. Dan's like yeah. It, to me, it makes it better because it it puts her like it, it, at face value. He's a killer. He's crazy. He's this. This theory kind of puts it on her, and she's imagining all this happening. Yeah, she's the one who sees the bear. Giving I get the it. BJ. I get it. She's like she's seeing things. 
and to me that makes it way more interesting if if it's wrong fuck it i still love the movie at face value <laughs> but if it's yeah. right then it makes it to me a way better movie i'm interested to see how it all plays out now if only because it almost sounds like someone who has ever come up with this has attempted to and maybe succeeded but at least attempted to spin the violence of this movie around and blame it on Wendy. Which, right. in a lot of ways, I think certain people who would hear that theory would say that that was a misogynist way yeah. to excuse the violence committed by Jack Torrance. To yeah, I mean, make I can, it that I she's can, like gaslighting yeah. him into violence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but... <laughs> I mean, women do have issues too. So I mean, it's it's not like there. It's a it's not a it's not a commentary on masculinity. To me, it kind of makes it. It's kind of like Mrs. Voorhees. Like Mrs. Voorhees was affected by the loss of her child, and she could have had some kind of mental breakdown, which made her do what she's do what she's doing. It doesn't mean all women are crazy and and men are you know awesome and they would never grab an axe and try to kill their wife but it kind of makes it it kind of gives them both a pass because we don't know what's going on that she's imagining and she can't control what she's imagining so it's like kind of puts them all in a a different yeah i think like the men woman conversation is irrelevant because what we're really talking about here is psychology yep or it's all ghosts or it's all ghosts. ghosts. Which in yeah, the book, right. it's just ghosts. Which, and also in the book, he uses a hammer. So, okay, points to the book. He actually does some <laughs> maintenance in the book. <laughs> he does reverse maintenance. <laughs> it's like the re- un, reverse luge. Un, unmaintenance. Yeah, the reverse Unmaintenance. Luge. I'm the unmaintenance guy. He can't do actual maintenance. He's in training. <laughs> you hear me? Training for what? <laughs> training for what? What's he training for? We never did I find mean, out. We should have asked you guys at Monster Mania. Should have asked. Uh, I couldn't get over there, dude. <sighs> she could have told us what he was training for. Yeah, mm. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, that tricycle work is the second scariest tricycle in horror movies, though. The second scariest. Yes, yes. definitely. Do you have anything else you want to say about The Shining, George? You glad you watched it? Uh. I have I have plenty more to say, but it'll just be more gush. It's a it's a great movie. If you haven't if you haven't seen it, see it. If you know anyone <laughs> who hasn't seen them, seen it, make them watch it. Um, it's fantastic. Well, in the the thing about The Shining as an experience, like Travis, you said you've seen it fifteen times. You always catch something new, and yes, you do usually catch something new. But even if you caught only the same things that you caught the last two times. It is such a watchable movie. It is so much fun. Mm -hmm. And it is so creepy that I just can't recommend it highly enough. There's nothing scary about this movie for me. It never was. Other than the first time he sees the two little girls that when I was a kid, I was like, whoa, that's, that's hitting me somewhere. Yeah. But, um, the whole thought process of being, taken over by your imaginary friend kind of scared me a little bit when I was a kid. And they're just cool with that. That's weird. Yeah. Right up front, they're just like, oh, yeah, he, he has the thing in his mouth and it talks. Yeah, you do you. 
It's free country <laughs> in the Torrance house. Free country in the Torrance Yeah, that, that freaked me out. But to me, this movie just personifies tension like it's 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 definitely yeah. it's it's a clinic on tension and a cl- it's a clinic on acting but it's a clinic on that suspense that you would get in like alien where some people were like oh it's so boring where's the good stuff and it's like you just fucking sat through an hour of the good stuff yeah what are you doing get off your phone <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. close the yeah. laptop Close. So good. And just enjoy the nuance because that's what this is. I mean, that's the way movies were made. They were building to something. It wasn't like, it's not like in the first five minutes they give away everything. Oh, wait. Uh, (laughs) Well, what is George going to watch next week, Travis? You're in for a treat. A movie not as good as this one. We are going to do one of Dan's favorite movies. Ooh, okay. ooh, uh. Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. Yes! Toy yes. Maker, <laughs> Pito, not We're doing Pito, Pito. A highly recommended movie from the Monster Mania, uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes! <laughs> yes! thought you were going to say Jack Frost. Jack Frost. Oh, God. No, not Jack uh, Frost. No. We are going uh. to watch the epic... Iconic, The Omen. Okay. The Omen, which is cool because we have a nephew named Damien. So. Ooh. Hey, uh, George, what do you know about The Omen? I There's multiples of this movie, right? Yeah. There's, there's like an original and there's a remake. There's no other than the first. Ah, the third yeah. one's pretty good. Third one is okay. Third yeah. one aged okay, so particularly well, actually. Within the last three or four years, it's really, really aged well. It's like The Exorcist. You watch one and three, and you forget to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know that it's like a. Well, I don't. I don't know anything. First of all, I think <laughs> it has something to do with, uh, like a kid, being. Not like possessed, but like being an actual devil, or something and like that. No, that's that problem child. From? Actually, yeah, it's a problem child. Um, John Ritter is not in this movie. I don't because I th- I don't know. I thought that there was a there was like a recent remake, and I saw like a commercial. Yeah, commercial or a preview or something like that. I've mm. never actually um, watched the remake. I guess I should. I think I own it. I never so, watched it. Yeah, so I mean, I definitely have never seen it, and I I well, it's another one of those movies that pop culture will give you stuff that you've yeah. seen your whole life and then you'll realize when you're watching the movie oh okay, okay. that's where that's from I've yeah. seen that many times it's very you know it's an iconic movie so okay it's like The Exorcist we didn't expect you to not know that she was possessed right or to not know that her head spins because that's all stuff that has been out there like yeah. made fun of satire whatever you know, borrowed. Yeah, stolen. we're not we're not watching movies that I've never heard of. Right. We're just watching movies I haven't seen. Right. And I have not seen The Omen. Woo-hoo. So. It's been at least twenty five years since I've watched The Omen, oh, so I'm gonna sweet. actually enjoy this. Yay. Cool. I think I watched it on Cinemax because my VHS was broken. Oh wow. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. So yeah, no four Ks for me. This on one's this. not out on 4K. Very sad. No? It is out on Blu-ray, though, and I will be watching the Blu-ray. And it's got the great Gregory Peck in it, I believe. And is Lee Remick. Yeah. yeah. Lee uh, Remick. 
good cast. So yeah, David yeah. Warner, one of my all-time favorites. I don't know why, but everything he's in, I like him. <laughs> Very weird. Hmm. Yeah. Word. Word. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at Twitter and Instagram at, at @remedialfilmpod. You can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. If you're listening to this on a podcatcher, we're also on YouTube. Heck, if you're on YouTube, check us out on Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts. Shoot, man, if it plays audio, you can probably find us there. So, another option for you. We'll be back next week with The Omen. (laughs) 